Hi, I'm Stacy, And I'm Liz. This is Tent Talks. Welcome back to Tent Talks. I'm Stacy. Hi, I'm Liz. We're going to start first with our individual check-ins. And before we do that, a shout out to our sound engineer and producer, Kimberly Mehmet. Hey, Kimmy. Hey. Thank you so much for making our podcast possible. Okay, so individual check-in. Liz, how you doing? Maybe I could introduce the topic a little bit especially that you just educated me on it, but this drama triangle. The Carpman drama triangle. Like individually, I was just thinking how I feel all of those roles go through me almost on a daily basis internally. So the triangle is there's a victim, there's a hero, and then there's a perpetrator. Am I getting that right? Yeah, the correct verbiage is perpetrator, rescuer, and victim. Perpetrator, rescuer, and victim. And so there's so many reasons why I definitely feel like and am a victim in my life. And so that is something I I think feeling that nobody likes that. I think that's often why we struggle to heal because we don't like talking about being the victim. We feel powerless and other people put you down too. They're like, well, you know, you're just letting this happen to you. You're just being weak. You know, victim blaming is a real problem. And then there's the rescuer, which that's my kind of default trauma response, I think, which why I'm in this industry of healing and why I love it so much, why I chose to be a therapist. And so I'm always thinking about it almost like a coping mechanism for me. Like, how can I help everybody else? How can I rescue everybody else? And that distracts me sometimes from maybe even rescuing myself, right? Is mm-hmm. what how I can rescue other people. And then the perpetrator is something I just re- I find repulsive and I that's never me and yet of course it is, right? Like especially when we're being victimized by something or somebody we react. Like we we react to that feeling of powerless and to that feeling of being hurt and injured. And so that triggers reactions that sometimes get dumped on other people. Sometimes it gets dumped on my kids. Sometimes, you know, definitely recently I dumped it on my dad, you know, because he's one of the family members that is showing up and trying to listen. And so a lot of that energy just boom, right, gets thrown there. And so, yeah, I find myself in all those roles individually. Well, we thought about this topic because last episode, we were talking about archetypes. And one of the archetypes that came up was the hero. And there's a lot of superhero shows, the kids are going crazy about them. And then I guess in the same way, there's a reclamation of the villain we have. I mean, even the Cruella DeVille story just came out. And it tells the story of like, how Cruella became... Cruella. Mm -hmm. And I think we're identifying and we're investigating or we're more curious about the villains and what's their story and how did they get that way. 
And so I think we're seeing this triangle in, in media, in books, in our everyday lives and our family of origin within ourself. Globally. Globally. America, we're the rescuer, right? Like we have to be the rescuer. And anyway, there's a villain, there's a country we have to go save or. Yeah. And there's the, yeah, there's the country that's attacking us and is is the bad guy. Bad guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it just plays out on repeat. And so the more that we can highlight how this shows up for us individually, we can heal it on a collective level and hopefully just integrate all of them, right? Because we are, like you said, we are all of them. We are all of them. Yeah. We, we find ourselves maybe leveraged into different roles because of situations in our life. And I think even recognizing that that sometimes it's not necessarily our fault, you know, that we fall into that and it doesn't have to dehumanize us. And if we can stop dehumanizing things like the perpetrator, I think that's, that's a start, you know, to start moving forward and trying to heal. What are some of the things that you've noticed either individually or in your work that? Well, yeah, I want to tell you what my favorite aspect of the drama triangle is for myself. Mm -hmm. And that is without a shadow of a doubt, the rescuer. Mm -hmm. I love that role. And I over identify with it, I guess you could say. It's easy for me to do. It's celebrated. Right. We revere it. There's just all these rewards, right? Like you're talked about in a way that, oh, this amazing, loving, caring individual, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Caretaker. Yes. Mm -hmm. Great at hosting hospitality, good friends. What this looks like, though, on an everyday level is me being a chronic people pleaser. Right. And anxiety, anxiety, and going into a room, knowing what everybody needs to feel comfortable, and then doing that for people. Or yeah. offering it up. And it's a hypervigilance. It's an awareness. You do that so that you can be safe. It's a controlling mechanism. So you identify what people's needs are and you fulfill them first so that it controls the narrative. Yeah. In more of Dr. Shafali's work, she talks about the hidden narcissism and the rescuer and how, you know, we, we still get this kind of elevated feeling or status by by being that and Mm -hmm. and i was like yeah that's true you know yeah and being a caretaker in a caretaking industry i mean that is what i do for people everybody that comes out of a massage i mean 99 percent of the time they love their experience i mean i get rewarded i get paid for it and it's this reinforcement that comes again of like What's going on? How can I help you? How can I alleviate the pain or even help you not have that anymore? How can I really rescue you from yourself? And the truth is, I cannot. Yeah. (laughs) And that's been a really hard wake up call. And to realize myself in this pattern of not only people pleasing, but rescuing, the harm of that is that it really distracts me from myself And it's controlling other people, which is a form of manipulation. And so the unhealed healer is really one of the most dangerous aspects or types of people out there because their need to be the rescuer is put above 
or it, it changes the story in which they see it's the tainted lens. They can't really see their clients for who they are because they're trying to, it's all about them. Maybe yeah, it's, it's just to be the rest a lot of that. Yeah. Hidden. Yeah. Hidden narcissism. But you know, interesting as you're talking, I almost feel like, and maybe this is how the triangle was modeled, but when you over rescue yourself neglecting, like you said, you're just people pleasing. Mm-hmm. So you're an easy target. Yeah. So then you fall into being victimized by something or somebody, right? You we're taken advantage of all the time. Do you feel taken advantage of a lot? Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. it, right? So you're a giver and people take. And then you fall into this victim state. And then we feel those natural feelings of kind of getting resentment and kind of feeling... The resentment builds and then the, you explode. It builds and we explode and then we're the perpetrator. And it's like this cycle, right? Mm-hmm. It's more of like a cycle and then... And knowing how we cycle through that, right? Even rapidly sometimes. So for me, understanding that my favorite and most comfortable role is the rescuer, things that I have done. One advice that my therapist gave me is when I go to a family party to not rescue everybody. And so what that looks like is me not being a very, like as charismatic and not letting the conversation lull, not rescuing with a cool story or trying to elevate, not constantly helping people transition or checking their moods, but just kind of sitting and observing and not controlling the narrative because it's so easy for me to do that because I know how to talk to people and help them open up and tell funny stories or whatever I do to make it easy and light for people. And I have sat through some really uncomfortable family gatherings in the role of observer. <laughs> it's, it's really hard for me. But I think that was my first step in healing was pulling back mm-hmm. that natural role that has been so enforced in my life and just stop rescuing and stop actually manipulating is the truth of it. Yeah. Trying to manipulate the environment and yeah. Yeah. Save everybody. It kind of sometimes can almost lead into this lack of trust that people need to go through certain things, or maybe this is where they're at, or, you know, they need to be sad. They need to go through this hard struggle. They need to be in pain. Right. Mm -hmm. And that we can witness and honor without, diving into their river of horror, whatever it is, right? And then we're drowning. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so with clients, that changed my relationship with clients because the codependent dynamic that I needed to exist so I could be the rescuer really changed when I took myself out of that role. And instead, now I have clients who show up, who they do the work themselves And I am witnessing and I'm just a support structure. I'm not doing anything for them. I just do my job. And they're the ones that actually take on the role of healing their bodies. And I'm just an aspect in that conversation or in that journey with them. Yeah. It's helpful sometimes to say, you know, maybe notice that pull. And we say to somebody, I wish I could jump in and rescue you. I feel like I want to. Yeah. But the, you know that that's not where you're going to be the most effective. And you know, f- hopefully from experience, that then you suffer and 
likely a lot of your close intimate people suffer when you do that, right? Mm -hmm. And so we have to know, and that comes back to boundaries, and we'll go into boundaries later more, but sometimes pulling back and stepping out of relationships is a positive move forward to try to notice that so that we don't get stuck maybe either in the victim or the perpetrator roles or the rescuer roles, right? Is is there a healthy one? <laughs> I'm like, there's three. Is there a fourth? <laughs> the liberator. No. <laughs> I know, the liberated self. I mean, I guess that w- probably what it would be, right? Like pulling, you know, stepping out of all of them into just the honored, liberated self, right? The person that witnesses myself and holds space for the self that can witness other people that doesn't get sucked into their drama triangles with them, right? Well, for me, the perpetrator is the hardest aspect of that triangle. And I never would want to identify with that. But I think part of liberating out of that is allowing myself to be the perpetrator in someone else's story. Yeah. If I need if I need to be the perpetrator, I will be. Yeah. Because I'm not attached to it because I realize that I'm playing out all of these three scenarios all the time and so is everybody else. Yeah. And again, this is just a model. It's it's such a prevalent model and it's so simple to understand that it just keeps showing up. And so to accept yeah. your role as all of them, it it is liberating yourself from all of them. Yeah. Because you're all of them all the time yeah. to to somebody else. And I think especially as women, we, you know, I mean, in the movies, right? The rescuer is usually the hero, the Superman, the, Superman the, the Iron Man, whoever. And the victim is usually, I don't know, a female, some helpless individual, right? A, a nerdy scientist or something. Mm-hmm. And then the villain, right, is usually some evil mastermind twisted yeah and and so we have these images in our head and they they're very rigid right if you tend to find yourself in one of these roles then that's just who you are and that's really unfortunate like you said you know it's unfortunate it is very liberating to say i'm human and that means I could be falling into any of those roles and I think when you know we've been perhaps acted upon in a very hurtful and healthy way and we've been victimized by something or somebody or and we've all experienced that I mean we experience that collectively we experience it on individual levels we experience it in families you know people that are being scapegoated people that you know uh, have to kind of be discarded in certain environments that often makes us react, you know, and then we become sometimes the abuser. And that's why stepping away is so important. You know, that I've, I've really had to take a step back from my family of origin recently, because I know that, that because of all the pressure and attacks I'm get I'm receiving from so many different places are going to make me very reactive. And so I don't want people I care about to be standing next to me and maybe just doing the family things they're used to. Maybe they don't know that they're igniting triggers in me because like reacting can come from, you know, a toxic conditioning. It can be rubbing up against a trigger, something that's sensitive for, for me. It could be just reactive emotional 
eruptions that that are that have been pushed down for so long it could be abusive patterns right so a lot of these things could be getting us to react in a way that we feel maybe shame about after right yeah so i think one of the first steps to liberating yourself from the drama triangle is identifying the roles that you've assigned other people and that would probably be easiest to do with your family of origin. Yeah. And also identifying the role that is most comfortable to you or the one that you're avoiding, the one that you think that you never are. And having a lot of compassion and even rewriting those narratives because realizing that the other person may feel or persons may feel totally different about you and you may be their perpetrator or they may have been a victim at your hand or, or something like, you know, some yeah. different dynamic, there's different stories being told all the time. And so identifying those titles that you've given other people and allowing them to surprise you and show up in different ways, right? Because you were probably giving them those titles out of a pained or a traumatized state, a victimized state. Yeah, even. and even a childlike state of black and white, right? Like good guy, bad guy. I mean, we paint them so black and white when we're kids, but hopefully as we get older, we understand the complexities and the dualities of people and, and emotional states and realizing that, yeah, maybe all villains or perpetrators are just – uh, victims crying out, right, for help. Mm -hmm. And then, right, they, they were probably fallen rescuers themselves that got pulled into that. And kind of just the humanity and the, the relatability of everybody in those situations, you know, it doesn't mean we allow it to happen to us. We don't allow people to abuse us. We shouldn't have to, like, just be okay with being treated in a hurtful way. But we understand, we step away and we say, you know, this probably isn't about me. You know, it's probably not about me. And they're probably reacting to feeling like a helpless victim in their life. Mm -hmm. There's a saying that I often go to, and we're taught to think a lot in black and white in either or scenarios. And that's really limiting and scarcity thinking. And that was very firmly taught to me through religion and then through introducing even this narrative of the drama triangle. But later, it was maybe two or three years ago, I learned BAM, B-A-M, both and more. Mm -hmm. And that changed my mm -hmm. life because it was expansive. So there's the contraction of black and white. It has to be this or it has to be that. And then there's BAM, which is it's both and it's more because there's always going to be more to the story than what our eyes can see at that particular time. I love that. And it can grow, right? I mean, just like mm -hmm. someone came up with this drama triangle again, we're like, okay, well then what happens when I step out of it? Right? Where do I go then? And there's, there's more and it expands, right? It expands my perception and my view. I think, you know, at, like you said earlier, getting comfortable though with integrating all of those states, we could say they're conditions, right? They're human conditions. They're not who I am, right? They're just these conditional states. 
Well, and when you're going down the process of healing yourself and you're feeling triggered, notice how you put yourself in that triangle and how you put other people and bring light to it and just have that conversation. Even if it's with someone that you're working with closely to heal, like your therapist or somebody working and doing massage with you or whatever it is that you're doing in terms of reaching out for healing options, find your voice and call yourself out on those narratives that you're playing out. And it brings light and it frees you from that situation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we over demonize the villain. Obviously, we do it in the media, we do it everywhere. We also in our culture, we tend to blame victims or or we focus and say, well, you know, what's something you should learn from this, for example, or, or oh, it's just going to make you stronger. And, you know, I'm going to read a quote by Jeff Brown. He says, not all traumas were caused by mistakes that require a lesson to avoid repeating them. In fact, most serious traumas weren't mistakes on the part of the victim. They weren't events summoned by their unconscious or their karma to teach them something they need to learn. They were victimizations. They were attacks. So let's stop telling trauma survivors that they must learn a lesson from their experiences. That's just another form of gaslighting. Sometimes there is no lesson. Sometimes the most they can do is heal. Let's support that. So I think people in all these different states deserve and need healing. When we're being victimized, there's certain emotional responses that we've kind of labeled as less desirable, like mental illness and post-traumatic stress disorder and depression, you know, personality disorders. These things are kind of labeled as, ooh, you know, like there's something wrong with you. And we take that individualistic role of like, well, it's nothing. I'm, I'm not responsible for it. You need to fix this illness. And even family members do that. We scapegoat other people in the family rather than kind of collectively look and say, how can this person heal? There obviously was something done to them or something that deeply hurt them that was legitimate. Mm-hmm. In recognizing how you manifest these archetypes, you can broaden your compassion, you can broaden your expression, and you can shine a light on how to navigate these roles. Yep. Yeah. You don't have to always label things. You can just be in the moment with them, but it's good when you're first recognizing your healing journey, sometimes it is good to name it, to call it. And then as you get more comfortable and expansive, the lines are a little bit blurred because you're stepping into more of a unity or a both and more expansive yeah. place. You can be all three at the same time. Yeah. In a given day, in a given moment, you can right. be so much more than that, obviously, too. And and none of them, right? I mean, I, le- I think Jeff Brown used some really intentional wording to say trauma survivors maybe versus victims. But, you know, when I released myself from rescuer, then I could more easily release myself from victim, then I could more easily release myself from abuser, you know. Mm -hmm. And even though I still might find myself in those states, that's not who I am. They're, They're not your identity. Right. Yeah. 
we should not identify with our traumas, like the way we manifest them, right? Like they're probably something that needs to be expressed and perhaps we haven't been taught or coached, right? Comes back to this idea of emotional intelligence and awareness and knowing how to label and express these feelings and and listening to the body and back to, you know, all those core things that we're going to expand more about. But if I can do that more clearly, articulately, then I don't need to react. I can express it. I can have the boundaries that I need to do that safely, Mm -hmm. to use our voice in productive ways. You know, anger is a function of being a victim, either over-rescuing, being taken advantage of. And so we need to be able to express that anger productively and set our boundaries and be able to tell people no and be able to tell people to back off, things like that. When we're more integrated and when we find our voice and when we find language and even the introduction of this, for some people, this will be a game changer. It'll shine a light on, on really big themes in their life. And then hopefully there'll be a time when this won't be as much of a central theme in every movie in every right in every narrative right. that we're experiencing collectively and it starts on that individual level of just um the villain won't need to be destroyed they'll be invited into healing right like yeah. there will be reparative moments and reunification moments and seeing people for being a human being. And that's something sometimes my idealistic perspective, maybe my rescuer mentality still shining out, but it's, it's hard. It's, I, I believe in humans. Yeah. There's a seat for everybody at the table of humanity. Yeah. It's not limited. Glennon Doyle says, and to you who were hurt, who were not seen, protected, valued, believed, saved, you deserved to be. There was a grave error in the world, not within you. You are perfect. You are always perfect. You are loved. You are beloved. You are love. May mighty forces rush to your side and protect you while you heal forever. While you heal, we will fight. Beautiful. Beautiful. In the words of our Lord and Savior, Glennon Doyle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. We just use different gods, right? The gods of healing may sh- may smile upon us this day. <laughs> In the name of this podcast, amen. amen. <laughs>